welcome to the Rambling Ranger podcast, episode 13. My name is Luke Taylor, and today I'm joined by my second in-person guest, uh, Martin Gray. Hello. Uh, Martin uh, has um, managed me now for, gosh, two seasons, and is my first, um, I suppose, senior uh, physician within, a, I suppose, a Ranger team or department. And um, yeah, we're going to kind of delve into that and find out what his, um, his role entails and a bit more about um, some of the previous colleagues, obviously, that I've uh, mentioned with Historic Violent Scotland, how they fit into, I suppose, the, the bigger picture. Um, so, yeah, Martin, would you just like to start off by introducing yourself and a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, I'm Martin Gray. I am the Ranger and Visitor Services Manager for Historic Environment Scotland. Um, I have been with Historic Environment Scotland for hmm, 18 years now. <laughs> I have to think about that. Um, and prior to that, I had done some seasonal work uh, in North Lanarkshire, West Lothian, uh, and down in the, the lovely heart of Birmingham, <laughs> in, in black country. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, quite a, quite a while, and um, it's something I'll touch upon, we'll touch upon, is the, the progression that's led you up until obviously where you are now, you, yeah. you've kind of uh, been about and worked in many, a variety of ranger services, let's yeah. say. Uh, one, of course, being my uh, former um, Ranger Service West Lothian Council. So, yeah, exciting stuff. Um, I suppose then, what what was the Ranger Service that started it all off for you? Or even if we go before that, what got you into rangering in the first place? What were your kind of interests growing up and everything else? Uh, so my interest growing up was outdoors. And I've probably got that uh, interest of outdoors through my dad and, and my mum. My parents basically were always taking us out and about. Or in, in, in my day and age, because I am slightly older than you, kicking us outside when it was sunny and telling us not to come home. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of went through that. I was also, I was also worked my, my way through scouts and cups, and so there was lots of camping and outdoor activities, and those were the things I really kind of enjoyed. Um, at school, it was probably, you know, biology and all that aspect that, that sort of piqued my interest, geography. Um, and then I... Um, didn't really do very well in my higher exams. Likewise. <laughs> I wanted to, I knew I wanted to work outdoors. I had this aspiration from a very, very early age to be a farmer, but then I kind of discovered at that point in time you either needed to have lots of money to buy a farm uh, or already needed to kind of have one. Uh, it wasn't really a very easy sort of industry to break into. Let's, it let's still isn't, but um, yeah, I can imagine uh, my time. So uh, I happened to go to a sort of an open day um, after my exams had passed and I was having to go back to school in fifth year and uh, there was a gentleman there from what is now Scottish Rural, Rural University College uh, at that time was the was the Scottish Agricultural College yeah. uh, and he was talking about this new course in rural resource management <clears throat> what it would mean opportunities to work outdoors uh, the aspects of the, or the intricacies of the course the direction you could take it in and I had such a, a broad sweep of subjects, I was, I was really quite intrigued by it. Um, and he basically said that if I had my standard grades, which were of a reasonable level, I would be able to get in at an HNC level. Right. Um, or onto an HNC course, and then yes. I could progressively work my way up. So I, um, I did that. Basically, I walked back into school the following day and... and went down to see an assistant head teacher who'd been very supportive of me and uh, Mrs. Mrs. McManus and just said, I think I need to go. And she said, yes, I think that's the best thing for you to do. So um, I did, basically. Within a week, I was enrolled in college up at uh, King's Buildings in Edinburgh and right. went off to do my, my HNC. And that was good. You know, it was a much better working environment for myself, learning environment, I should say, sorry for your pun. Um, you know, with the mixture of practical and uh, essay based, uh, not quite as much emphasis on a, on a single exam at the end of, of the year, yeah. was, was much more within my, my liking. Yeah. Uh, and the range of subjects were very, very good. So I worked my way through my HNC, I'm HND, and I got fortunate to, to work my way up to get my credits, which would allow me to go to university. And at that point, I hadn't quite uh, decided on a full direction. And but there was starting, we were starting to get out onto countryside sites, we were starting to get out to see what other people were doing, wardens and ecologists and all sorts of things. And I was like, oh, that, that's, quite, that's quite good. A few rangers in here and there. 
Um, a few of the projects take me up into the Petland Hills to meet the, what was the Ranger team there uh, on the regional park. And then this opportunity came up through the through the countryside job service actually. Right. Even then, uh, to, for a student placement in Walsall, just north of Birmingham. Right. Uh, and I thought, well, it was for a year. And so I thought, well, you know, I either like it or I don't like it. It's worth having a, uh, an urban experience. So I applied and was eventually fortunate enough to get it. We agreed with the college that I could carry over my credits into the in, when I came back, so I could continue my education if I wished. Um, and I went to Birmingham for a year, which was a bit of a, at that point in time, a culture shock because I hadn't really <laughs> lived away from home, uh, and it was kind of my first experience of living away from home. Um, an extremely diverse uh, and culturally diverse and very diverse kind of workforce and place to live and, and places to experience, and actually some really good, uh, really good experiences down there. And it was sort of my first introduction to rangering as a whole, and I think that was what took me. It was the variety, the fact that you can be doing report writing one minute or scoping out a project another and then out with a school group or out doing wildlife spotting and counting and they had quite a broad spectrum service which was really good, you know, it was everything from ecologists yeah. uh, all the way down to kind of park wardens on the ground um, and you were allowed to do anything in between uh, and to be fair to them, I was given some training, you know, you got some training courses while you were there. Um, they were very good at uh, ensuring that we had as much experience as possible and, and, and a variety. So you kind of moved around the ranger, right. you worked with oh, each yeah. different yeah, ranger. Yeah. I got to spend some time with the ecologists, you know, and probably living away from home in that manner was really quite good because it just meant I could do what I wanted when I wanted and I wasn't yeah. because I wasn't with all my friends, let's put it that way. <laughs> it meant that I had all this spare time. Yeah. Um, I managed to keep my scouting going, so actually I, I, I gained a new group of friends through scouting in that aspect um, while I was down there. But it also meant I then used this new scout group that I'd adopted as my trial for anything <laughs> I was running, so I just kept bringing them in. I went to the new scout group, the new cub group, the new local beaver group, whatever, and it meant I had an in, and then obviously once you've got a, a, a kind of an in in that, in that kind of community, it was really good because then we just started getting lots of requests to do stuff, which, yeah. which the um, countryside service down there really loved and they hadn't really had that opportunity to engage with some of those groups as well as they were now doing right um, so yeah it was really positive from that aspect and, and you've got lots of time with the ecologists as well so you know they're kind of moth trapping at night or bat, yeah, uh, bat surveys or loads of other surveys so it was really really enthusing, really enthusing. and I think sort of pr probably from the point of that year that was when I decided that that's what I wanted to do that's what I wanted to you know I wanted to go back to university and I wanted to become a ranger so when I came home, I started looking for some volunteer opportunities. Uh, and so I started volunteering um, up at uh, B Craig's Country Park uh, in West Lothian. Uh, and also doing some volunteering down at Hopeton House uh, Preservation Trust. So yeah, that was quite a while, uh, <laughs> quite a while ago now. But yeah, just any free time that I had, I was doing that. And then fortunate, I was fortunate when I got all my way through my degree that I got my first seasonal position in North Lanarkshire. Uh, Trompelier Country Park, uh, so I did a, a six-month seasonal there, um, and that was that was good as well. Just uh, Jamie was sort of the, the senior ranger there, and Michael, uh, both were very enthusing in the sense of taking you out and, and, and good characters as well. But just taking you out, getting you to look at stuff, getting you to think about things, you know, get you know, getting your ID skills up. Yeah. But also saying, well, what do you want to do? You're here for six months. What do you want to yeah. do? You know, letting you run projects asking you to run a session for a school and things like that. So giving you a bit of independence to do of course, that kind yeah, of thing. Pushing you um, to do more which stuff was which was good. And it was it was it was useful to have. And then I sort of decided myself about uh, I decided myself that what I would do is I would I would save some of my money from my my seasonal post and then I would do another course, a different course of something I was interested in, sort of between my seasonal roles. Right. Uh, and in between that as, as I'm sure loads of people have done, they've volunteered and they've picked up yeah. work where they can yeah. and they've, uh, you know, like everybody else, I've been a chambermaid and I've been a, a bar, uh, you know, a barkeep and, uh, you know, all sorts of waiting and all sorts of stuff. Humph and flour for Hutchison flour for ages, that was not the best job. I'm not good in the morning. Uh, and uh, again, up, I mean, and uh, yeah, having to get up at 4 a.m. to go and... Uh, get to the flour mill to pick up a truck to go and start delivering flour to all the bakeries by hand was not uh, not top of my list of jobs I ever wanted to repeat. Um, but it, it was, you know, at that point it was money. But in the meantime, I kept volunteering up at B Craig's and I kept volunteering up at uh, uh, Hopeton. 
Uh, and that was really positive. And then it, so that led to me getting a three-month seasonal at Craigs and then I just tried to get us the right way around because I think it was the year after that that food mouth hit. Uh, and so my seasonal the following year was delayed. Um, but it was just trying to pick up skills from people, pick up things wherever you could and yeah. listen to what people were, were, were teaching you. Yeah. Um, Donald up at Craigs was again a great uh, supporter. Uh, as a ranger, he was just kind of you know keen for you to learn things, yeah. enthusiastic. Um, I've heard quite the character. Yeah, quite, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. An extremely outgoing character, but um, and very friendly and very open and um, and caring. Uh, he was very interesting just in the way because he would pick a he would pick a, a, a topic. Let's, let's call it a topic or a species, depending on what it was. But he would he, like one of the. I always remember like it was, it was summer and he was like right. So this year I'm going to do bumblebees and he would just read everything on bumblebee, <laughs> absolutely ever. And he would do it in such a way that he'd say right. I'm going to learn everything about bumblebees and we're going to do two events at the end of summer that are, or towards the end of the summer that are about bumblebees. Right. Um, and that was the target. So. Therefore, he would, you know, and the outcomes were usually that there was an event at the end of it or that he wanted to start a new survey or whatever, but he had an outcome at the end of what he wanted to do, so we would work towards that outcome. Um, and again, it's like all, it's like everywhere, just different experiences, how people, public, interact, you learn how to handle more difficult situations, you're given more responsibility. And I was given, I suppose, my nine-month season up there, I was given quite a lot of responsibility because by the time it came to Christmas time, People were having holidays and things like that, and it was coming towards the end of my contract. So I was given a bit more leeway as yeah. I was the sole person on site. I was the sole person yeah. in charge, you know. And a few few occasions that happened at Trump earlier as well. But I, I took it as a compliment that I was being trusted that I could just be left alone to, you know, to do stuff. And there was there was backup if I needed it, but you know, it, you know, you've been left to get on with things. Yeah. Um, no, likewise. I mean, um, I'll, I'll ask a bit more about that actually, because of course I had the same experience. Or. I've worked with this uh, whistleblowing council as well, but obviously the experiences I imagine would have been quite different. Mm-hmm. Because um, what what size team was it back then? I'm having to think of it now. <laughs> uh, it's about eight in total. That's all the parks, not just yes. about eight or nine. I think. Yeah, of course, between Alan Delling and uh, Paul Kemet as well. Um, no, it was it was likewise. And the the first two years of uh, my apprenticeship uh, was we had four seasonals and four full time. And of course, um, my manager was uh, Beverly Sterling, who yep. remembers you. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> I won't add any further on that. But um, yes, no. So uh, it was quite interesting, actually, me transitioning between um, obviously Whistleman Council and Historic Environment of Scotland, because it was uh, it was your name that came up, which I, I didn't know you at that point. I'd maybe um, saw you or heard of you through Scra uh, in various places. But um, yeah, which was obviously quite a surprise. But no, it's been interesting to hear more on that. Uh, and what was your transition like then? How did you end up with the Stark Farm in Scotland? So while I was working up at, at, at B Craig's, the post down at, at Longlithgow became available, then the ranger role down there. Um, and I didn't really, well, I didn't really know much about what was historic Scotland at the time. We like we like changing our name a bit based <laughs> on the, the, the latest government uh, decisions as to what's, and we were, at that point, it was a, a direct government agency. And, and like everybody else, you know, you, you do the whole, at, at that point in time, you know, you'd apply for seasonal roles all over the country, and yeah. uh, you'd apply for jobs all over the country, and you'd be off to, to interviews everywhere. I mean, I remember one week, uh, I, I, in particular for one season just before B Craig's, I, I was in Leicester one week, uh, <laughs> one one part of the week, and by the end of the week, I was in Ullapool getting interviewed for NTS. You know, so it, it, it was uh, yeah, it's very diverse, and and so the same happened. You're trying to seek the job where you can get because that's what you want to do. Of course. Um, and so yeah, I was very fortunate to, to get to get a job down the bottom of the hill. <laughs> yeah, just basically <laughs> just down the bottom of the hill, a stone throw away from where I'd been working before. Um, and so that was that. Yeah, it, it just came about in the normal, you know, it was interview process and, and elimination. And I was fortunate enough to get selected to do yeah. it. Um, and when I first came into the organisation, <clears throat> the background to the ranger service was for Historic Environment Scotland that there'd been parks police. We manage the two royal parks basically in Scotland, and uh, so Lonlithgow's one and Holyrood is the other. Yep. Um, they were connected with the London Royal Parks at one point in time, but over the period of time, they've uh, they've, they've they've evolved away from them. Uh, uh, different legislation and government organisations, yeah. etc. So, uh, they were historically had their own police force, um, smallest police force in the country, <laughs> uh, right. the Royal Parks Constabulary, and. 
over time they were being reviewed and evolved and police policing as a whole was changing um, and there was an you know there was a, a a general move away from what was I suppose more a more draconian approach to a more open engaging and, and um, activity based approach yeah uh, and, and that's true for the the whole of the organization at that point in time it was moving into more public engagement and public opportunities um so yeah so that was one of the roles that became available so for the first sort of year or two i still worked with a couple of park constables um so it was myself and a couple of park constables at Lonlithgow. they were very much or, or it was i should say not they as in persons um the role was very much focused on the royal parks to begin with uh, and, and that was just the nature i suppose it's the nature of the nature of the beast it was the nature of, what of been, the legacy that had been left behind so i started to evolve it from not just being at Lithgow to including our other sites at black ness and and then up at cairn papal not not in any designed plan uh, <laughs> i would just say I, I started trialing things and people didn't tell me not to do it so i just kept doing it right um, <clears throat> It may have been my plan, but not the organisation's plan. So uh, I just evolved the role a bit more because, to be frank, you can walk. You know, you've been to the uh, If you're there for seven hours a day, you can walk anti-clockwise or clockwise around right Lithgow, <laughs> and uh, that becomes a bit tedious after a while. You can walk so, around it seven times in a day, but exactly, really exactly. To. If you really want to, you can do it every hour. <laughs> so, and it's great. It's 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 a different site from some of the other sites I now manage in the sense of the way that it interacts, but um, with the wider landscape and with the community of course but, um i uh but that just evolved the role i suppose and i got the schools in and i got projects started and we got some you know good sort of local uh community engagement and then slightly wider engagement with uh um, other organizations in west lothian as they developed so the college bringing Oldridge college in i got a good relationship with them yeah um uh, we got them working on site, we got the rotary in, you know, kind of just building up a site into something that you want it to be, I suppose. Schools, getting yeah. them in, getting them knowing that you're there, what activities you can deliver, developing the activities, developing the guided walks, um, probably pushing the boundaries slightly again of what, what, what HESP was used to, just in the sense of, you know, things that I had been used to doing, but like some of the stuff I'd learned from elsewhere. So, you know, when I was in Walsall, one of the things that he used to be was interconnect sites so there was obviously a lot of canals and things like that so they used to do day walks yes. where you would walk yeah. you know between sites or between locations and uh, so even just introducing something like that to Lithgow so we used to walk over over the hills to Bowness and then along the front shorefront to Blackness and then introducing the kind of guided walk between um, with colleagues at National Trust and at, at Hopeton just between Hopeton and right. uh, uh, House of Bins and yeah. Blackness Castle so just trying to I suppose expand what we did yeah. uh, and how we could engage with people um, uh, and getting in and um, in with the, the council representatives and looking at the you know public rights away and that kind of thing mm. so yeah. uh, just as a uh, core path networks and all that <laughs> were coming into fruition and the land reform act was coming about so uh, yeah all those things and then from there I was fortunate to um, how long were you there sorry uh, yeah, no, that's fine. So I was there for about four and a half years. Four and a half, yeah. And it, four and a half years uh, in any position is going to see change in, yeah. in, a, in, a, yeah. in a role. It's not going to stay uh, statutory. Yeah, and I think we were, we were yeah, it's not going to stay stationary. We're, we're, we're very, uh, at that point in time, for the organisation at that point in time, we were kind of trailblazers, I think is the phrase I was used. You know, yeah. we were outdoor learning um you know, volunteering, community engagement, all things that the organisation wasn't really very up on doing to begin with. Mm. Um, and actually that was quite interesting, pushing those buttons and pushing those boundaries. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that was kind of how that evolved. And then we went through a period of, of we were going through a period of review and uh, the line manager that was in charge at the time decided that she was moving on to a new role uh, and I, uh, I suppose to be blunt, I put my head above the parapet. I think that's the, I think that's the, uh, the, the key point. Probably, and it's one of those moments where you probably decide. It was, we were being reviewed by um, the organisation. I would candidly say reviewed by people who didn't necessarily have an understanding of what necessarily Rangers did. Just, um, yeah, still very much the same in modern day. And uh, this was the. 
I suppose this was the put up or shut up moment. Of course. You either make a decision that you're going to put your head above the parapet <laughs> and say, I'm going to, you know, I'll do that role for a, on a temporary basis while we go through the review. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did and I was, I was offered that opportunity to do that. Um, so you progressed from the ranger role at Linlithgow yep. to then being... So then being the, the ranger manager. Manager, so, yep. And that meant managing Linlithgow and Hollywood at that time, as it was. Um, and so I, I yeah, came to Holyrood and started being based here. I was part of the review. Uh, and that review was really around what we were doing, how many, you know, staffing structure, all that kind of stuff. And um, and we went through that process and came out the other side of it, recruited some more staff, uh, kept the range of role there um, and, and, you know, sounded the benefits of it and managed to get that across to the senior team, which they accepted and they, and they wanted to continue. So. Um, the wide range of benefits. I mean, yes, the, the reports, you know, <laughs> several hundred pages long. So, uh, as always with these, do- as always with a government document. Um, so, after that had process had been done, they then had to appoint. They decided on the structure that they wanted, and then they had to appoint through the structure. So, uh, having uh, temporarily held the position, I was then fortunate enough to gain on a permanent basis. Um, the role as the ranger manager yeah. and then so then that was my opportunity to then implement some of the things that came out of the report but also start to implement changes that I wanted to see uh, within structure within teams within what we were delivering within mm. what we were doing implement those in line with HESI's overall policy uh, and the organisation at that point was still you know evolving quite rapidly with more learning coming into the fruition right. more interpretation more outward facing yeah. uh, you know, right? It, it's still doing that now. As 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 the organisation grows, as different chief executives come in, you get different priorities, etc. Yeah, different so, views and perspectives yeah, from yeah. where people have worked previously, which is obviously what um, happened with yourself. Yeah, exactly. So we uh, so I must have. I'm trying to think where the next step was. So the next step was that I then uh, gained to some rangers up in Orkney because they're really close. <laughs> uh, but basically how that came about was that the World Heritage Site in Orkney had been designated and as part of its designation and its plans, its, its management plans and master plans, they wanted to put a ranger team in on the ground focused on, they were focused on the cultural resources, but it was a, a collaborative effort. So the RSPB were involved, the SNH were involved, the council, ourselves, um, uh, and lots of other um, uh, heritage organisations. Uh, and it was felt at that point in time that there were lots of heritage angles, you know, there was RSPB wardens, there were some SNH staff and things like that, but there wasn't much cultural angle. So the um, the decision was made to introduce a ranger service to talk about what rangers do best, which is explaining the landscape and describing where the monument yeah. would sit within that and, and, and also having input into the natural heritage, but perhaps not focused as heavily on that. Uh, but that had been done as a separate entity to the Royal Parks Ranger team. Yeah. So the idea was after this review that those things were brought together. So I, I gained the management of the Orkney team, basically, which I'm sure they were... And how many uh, staff was that? At so at that, at that point in time, that was three staff. Three. Uh, one full year, one part year, and one part year, part time. Just Got to you. make yeah, it yeah. really <laughs> complex. Um, uh, and they were just... They were being an idiot. I mean, they're, you know, they still are up until March there. Um, you know, they would have, they could have 90 people on their guide, daily guided walk mm. just around the Ring of Brockter and the Standing Stones of Stennis. So, uh, and their events regularly, you know, exceed the expectation, except in the sense of number of people attending. Um, but it's a, it's season, it's short, it's the middle of the season. You know, if you go and see uh, Sandra in, in December, you'll probably be one of about three people if you're lucky <laughs> on her walk. Uh, or the same at the other end of March. But if you go in July, you'll be one of you know, 90 or whatever people. And, and these guys, had defo- the rangers up there had come from a stewarding background. So right. they'd been stewards on some of our other sites and they decided that they were quite happy to be outdoors all the time. <clears throat> and far away. And far away <laughs> from other people. Uh, so they, they, it was good. It, it, it was just a learning experience in the sense of, you know, you then learn distance management, extreme distance management, I would almost say to, to, <laughs> to an extent. Um, you kind of just start feeling like where each other's boundaries are and stuff like that, you know. And you, of course, visit them? Well, usually try to visit them, physically visit them, uh, about twice a year. Twice a year. Um, but generally we speak every week. Oh, right. um, gotcha. uh, 
uh, now more so digitally. Before that, it was just phone calls because it yeah. was just easier. Because uh, so yeah, conference calls and, and chats and you know, very much because they work within the World Heritage Site, they were working in a much more structured environment because we didn't we didn't I didn't necessarily set all the plans or the goals. So we have to wait yeah, for yeah. the plan ev evolution to set the next period of goals. So it was and because some of our funding at that point came from SNH as well as from ourselves and from the council, we had to meet various targets. So it was very structured in what they were doing. So pretty much could leave them to get on with it themselves um, because we knew what they were heading towards. Um, and then uh, the organisation as a whole, so Historic Scotland, changed to become Historic Environment Scotland. And during that period, there was reviews in various departments. So I then uh, was uh, asked to take on management of um, our Natural Heritage Advisor, Bob. So he joined the team, the Ranger kind of Natural Heritage yep. team as well. Uh, and as part of that that review, uh, I was jagged and so kind of moved up another band, basically, as into my responsibilities. So, which you're in, of course, now. Which I'm in now, yeah, the role yeah. that I'm in now. So my, my title doesn't really change, not that I'm a titles person, it just <laughs> stays the same. Uh, so yeah, it's Ranger, it's from, it remained Ranger Visitor Services Manager, but my, my outreach, let's put it that way, was yeah. greater. So my responsibilities are now for uh, the Ranger teams across our estate, um, any advice, to the, to the organisation around ranger services or assisting or, or community engagement, etc., and natural heritage advice across the estate. So, and by the estate, I mean like the whole of Scotland. It's, it's um, uh, wherever we have a monument or, or, or we have an interest, um, I can get stuff coming to me or to Bob or whatever of that, that would be. So, you know, we've uh, badgers, at, uh, badgers or uh, peregrines at three, for example, disrupting. Uh, uh, disrupting visitor opening to you know um, porpoises at Kishmeel, um, to um, uh, bats. Bats is the favourite one because obviously lots of old ruined but ruined, ruined buildings like we like to have. Bats love them, so bats are probably a fairly predominant feature in quite a lot of the correspondence. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So it's all sorts of things. So you get involved in loads of stuff, um, and then through and so yeah, that's that, that's kind of where my role is at the moment, and it. it, it there's now kind of evolutions within the organisation. We now have like landscape architects. There's uh, discussions as there are with most things about not, uh, not ecosystems um, uh, in the sense of where we can interlink into that from a, from a cultural heritage point of view. There's that kind of me meshing in cultural and natural heritage. Yeah. There's a biodiversity, uh, a new biodiversity group and uh, climate change group being set up. And so we're involved in that element of the organisation as well. Hmm. Well, let's talk about then, I suppose, the kind of the framework of the radio team that is now, mm -hmm. um, and then we can touch into, obviously, your role. Let's take Hollywood, for example, because mm -hmm. I know it does cover all the other HES sites in Scotland, but I think we'd be here forever if we were yeah. to touch on all of that. So just now, what, what I noticed coming from uh, Whistledane Council is we obviously had our ranger team set up to look after the three country parks, and, but our roles were very fluid. We, we had a responsibility in lots of different areas. Whereas coming here, it was quite different because the, the way the Ranger team is set up is the there is a few that have a fluid role, but there is others in key positions. Um, how did, were they always there? How, how did these positions kind of come about? And I know there are other Ranger services like that, um, but I felt like it was, um, with the size of the team as well, we should probably mention, we have mm. quite a large Ranger service now. You'll be able to say how many we've got because I can never remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go through all the names. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Um, if, if you don't mind uh, touching on yeah, that okay. a little bit. So when I uh, came into the Ranger team, the structure was very flat. Um, <clears throat> so there was, at that point in time, they were called Park Rangers, Countryside Rangers, and then there was the Ranger Manager. Um, and even when I came in, the Countryside Rangers had a, had a role, I suppose a coordination role. So, and they were like learning, community, um, interpretation, uh, visitor safety and uh, conservation um, and by that meaning like nature conservation conservation was a loose term for cultural and natural heritage conservation yeah. so um, so yeah so over the time I've tried to and, and those, that was the Hollywood and then at Lithgow there were just two general rangers yeah. 
uh, that sounds very rude, but they're general countryside rangers, but they did everything, all those aspects. Which, but of course, was what you did originally. Which is what I did, yeah. but uh, at, uh, at Lone Lithgow. And then, uh, so there's been a sort of an evolution, shall we say, in, in what the roles do. Um, but I've kept, I've managed to introduce a senior ranger. I, you know, in an ideal world, you'd want to introduce another kind of senior role as well. But uh, I've introduced a senior ranger who manages what's now our rangers and then our rangers manager assistant ranger so there was a bit of a name change role in alignment realignment um, uh, a realignment of responsibilities and what they did and what they were focused on um, and I probably removed the word countryside because they weren't really anywhere near countryside so <laughs> of course uh, and I made it more focused on what they were actually actually doing um, but I, I kept what I did keep was the coordination responsibilities. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you can uh, 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 certainly in Hollywood. My Orkney team again, they're kind of broad brush. Yes, do whatever. Partially because of the volume of what they're receiving. They're, yes, you know, if, if I did that in here, if, uh, to be frank, I feel Hollywood would just end up in chaos. Uh, no, I, I must admit, I think it does for the nature of the site, which we'll touch on the ins and outs of your management of it. But it, it does fit, and that's how just due to the nature of where we are, as I said, we're not mm. a countryside site, we're mm. not in a country park or anything else, it is a, it's an urban um, rural setting, um, loosely, but um, yeah. Yeah, so, it, and that, I was comfortable with that because I'd come from that, so when I volunteered at, uh, or when I'd been on a student placement, sorry, in Walsall, mm. it was very much structured in that ilk, um, and again, that was, that was, it was useful to have, you know, we had some community rangers, we had some learning rangers, and we had some, uh, Nature Conservation Rangers who worked directly with yep. the ecologists uh, and it, it, it sort of made sense to me because it was quite a large region Yes, um, and I'm aware with others that you get the opposite, you get regions, so you get yes. somebody who covers the whole, you know, Stirling was always the example that struck me partially because some of my colleagues down in uh, Walsall knew the senior ranger in Stirling at one point in time. So, um, yeah, I suppose it, and you go around and you look and you see what other people are doing and you see what others are are working on and how it's working uh, and you just try to fit it into your own site and how yeah. that's going to work on your own site and, and it's also I think it's you know every ranger has their own interest area I think mm. that's the fa fairest way to and describe expertise, it and expertise yeah. Yeah. and so they all you found quite often in the sort of in the area situation that, that even within that some rangers would focus all their efforts on learning and some would focus yes. all their, the majority of their efforts on conservation or delivering events and giving yep. walks uh, and actually it was almost disproportionate around the region whereas by having somebody to coordinate it mm -hmm. on a, on, in an area was, was actually um, actually functionable um, and, and led to a better divvying up and, and prioritisation of, of, of activity um, so yeah I found it quite I just kept that structure and I think it works well in the sense of that it's there, there to coordinate that role and then they, they um, share the responsibility of actually the actual delivery. So although uh, Rob is the learning ranger, for example, the, the, all the stuff to do with learning in Hollywood would go through him yes. as, a, as, a, as a channel, but then actually the delivery of it on the ground to all the groups or the organisation of a specific lesson yeah. uh, is left to the individual ranger or assistant rangers that are running it. Yeah. But the actual kind of going to the meetings, making sure all the stuff's in the diary, the booking process, all that kind of thing is done through one conduit to get then disseminated, disseminated amongst, the, amongst the wider team. And the same is true with the, with the natural heritage. Um, is it perfect? I don't know if it is perfect. I think there's always always room for improvement within Tweets, it. And it's yeah. just... It, it's just uh, the continual review of that and yeah. seeing whether you know some posts grow uh, I would probably use uh, Robbie's my interpretation ranger well I mean you could probably add attain <laughs> to that that you know it's not just interpretation that Robbie does no. uh, you know and therefore you know should I be look at that role should I be pushing back on some things and dividing up some of the things uh, yeah we should and, and we were in the I was in the process of doing that up until up until March Everything seems to come to a grinding halt in March, and, and I'll pick it up again because I, I do think that Robbie needs a sorry that role, the interpretation role needs a bit more finessing because it's not actually interpretation that they're doing anymore. You know, it's events and guided walks, like focus, um, and actually some of the things that he's ended up with, such as the um, signage, and I mean that as the plethora of signage, not just interpretive signage. <laughs> I'm meaning you know road traffic signage and all that thing. 
actually should be shared amongst the rest of the team. That shouldn't really just be Robbie's responsibility. So, yeah, there's elements that you need to look at um, and take and take and trying to take away. But the other side of that is it also means that while the the ranger with the, the coordination responsibility, and let's use Robbie, can then disseminate a project to somebody. You know, the front door interpretation panel is a prime example that you know Robbie's the Robbie's the budget holder for one of a better phrase. Yes. But I've now asked. Melissa started off the project before she, uh, one of the assistant rangers before she moved on, and then Gordon, the assistant ranger, is now taking it on. Yeah. Just with Robbie copied in, let's put it that way, yeah, so no, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same with the interpretive, winter interpretive panels. That's kind of gone to one of the other assistant rangers to start working on, but Robbie knows it's happening and he'll make sure it meets all the deadlines and all that kind of thing. Yeah, no, so I suppose with that, the roles, the assistant rangers, obviously a new addition, almost doubled the size of the ranger service a few years ago, and on top of that, seasonals came into play, and as you said, that, how, how has that changed things, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things? Changed the, it changed the dynamics, I mean, you know, as you, as you mentioned, we've, you know, this is a, a busy park, and we're very fortunate, I think, to be able to have the, the breadth of ranger team that we have for the hours of operation that we're able to put in place and, and to have, but it's a busy park just because it's in the city centre. You know, we're in the heart of Edinburgh, we're next to the Royal Household, or Holyrood Palace, we're next to the Scottish Parliament. You know, um, we have all sorts of uh, activities taking place. At the same time, we've got a culturally important site with a, natural, with a large portion of natural heritage importance attached to it as well. Um, and you've got a massive population that all want, all, all want to use it and see it as a, as a green space to come in, kick a ball around and have a barbecue, you know. So it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to manage it for all those aspirational, all those aspirations, the desires, the wants, the needs of, of that white population. Um, and so I think that it's, it's almost a continual evolution of what how where you want the team to be. Mm. Uh, and as I kind of mentioned before, I don't necessarily feel my team is in the in the right place at present. Um, it started off with a sort of a lot of full time staff. Probably um, at that point in time, we had ten staff based here, um, and two based at, at Linlithgow. There was another another review when I was being the ranger manager later on, which was about how do we treat Linlithgow? Should we be basing that was the whole historical way? We had a staff member based there all the time. Mm. Um, and so I altered that slightly in one of the reviews and I pulled the staff member out so they're not there um, seven days a week because there's just not the, I don't feel there is the need or the work capacity to do that. And what I was also finding was there was definitely a, a gap between the Lithgow team and, and the Holyrood team. Whereas in reality, when I needed to fill gaps, I couldn't send somebody from Holyrood to yeah. Lithgow and I yeah. couldn't send somebody from Lithgow to Holyrood. So the aim was to be able to service the sites, both sites better with the staff resource that I had at the time. Uh, and I think now it gives, although one of the rangers coordinates Lilithgow, it gives it everybody an understanding of what's going on. And it yep. means I can send any other team to Lilithgow to do a patrol, and I can send any other, you know, the Lilithgow rangers based at Holyrood and um, helps out here in the rotor system uh, yeah. and, and, and the site tasks, etc. So then, we, as you say, there was a bit of a movement on posts, and I decided that actually our full time posts all the way through the year were not that useful in the winter or as useful as they could be in the winter because we had so many staff in the winter yeah. um, and the reality was I was needing that staff resource in the middle of the year, I was needing it April to September so uh, when we had a bit of changeover of staff I was fortunate enough to get, um, fortunate enough that I worked, th I worked through the systems required to retain the posts but split them into seasonals so we then ended up with more seasonals at the time when we act, or more staff at the time when yeah. we actually required them, which is the height of summer. Yeah, when, the, when the park is extremely busy and we're busy with groups and we're busy, so we could give the both sides the attention that they required. Um, Orkney went in a similar direction. So to begin with, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, we had, you know, a, a full time ranger, a, a, a part year permanent ranger, and a, and a seasonal ranger. Uh, and over the time, the popularity, well, at that point in time it was with cruise liners and various others to, to use the site, was actually resulting in quite a bit of damage to the site up there. So one of the ways around that was to uh, introduce more rangers on site to try and help people, direct people, guide people, uh, interpret the site for them. 
Um, and so we, again, we were fortunate to bid and got seasonal ranges of their so the four seasonals up there as well, but they were for a slightly shorter period, for about four months in the year, at the sort of peak tourist pe period. Um, it meant we could lead more guided walks, it meant we could do more interaction, it meant that we were there more of the time when there was less people on site, we were there for more of the hours of the day. Uh, <clears throat> all of which was seems to have started to have a positive, had a, was seeming to start to have a positive impact um, across the across across the summer period yeah. um, and the longer term impact on the site, of reducing uh, site damage and site. Um, I mean, as everyone knows, there's huge amounts of, and it's only growing footfall on our yeah. end, so yeah. yeah. The extra staff's surely helped. No, it's been interesting, I suppose, from my perspective, coming into what was only left with four full-time rangers at Westolian to then coming into a larger team and it's been interesting seeing how those roles operate, how how like sort of our ranger manager manages the team and then obviously yourself above that managing the wider park and sites. Uh, and it's been interesting to see the, uh, the actual tasks and roles and duties then being implemented and carried out by, again, a lot of people. Um, I suppose that then touches on um, Hollywood, for example, mm -hmm. we'll, do, we'll use this because we're obviously based here and it's, it's the, the busiest and the largest site that um, you, of course, we, we look after. Um, what's, how did your role uh, re revolve around Hollywood and, of course, it being so significant in regards to the grand scheme of things of Hess Properties, um, how, how, do you, how do you cope with that, I suppose? Uh, yeah, so my role in Hollywood is a part of what is basically the, the management team at Hollywood Park. So we have a the way our organisation is structured, we have what we call our conservation colleagues uh, in one directorate and, and we sit within the tourism and community directorate. So there's the ranger team who look after the park, we also have a parks ground staff who look after the park. So there's a park, park and gardens manager uh, and there's uh, myself uh, and then we have a, a district architect who sits on the same kind of grading or level as us. Uh, and then we call in resources from elsewhere. So like uh, the landscape manager that I mentioned before, we yes. maybe call upon them. Bob, as the natural head advisor, yeah. we maybe ask them to input. Um, so yeah, the, the, we are probably the, the largest land mass that Hess owns. Mm. Um, I would go as far as to say the most popular land mass that Hess owns. No, um, absolutely. Number, probably. Number one site in Edinburgh. Isn't well, it? that's it. <laughs> uh, even taking on Edinburgh Castle. Um, and I think we're probably unusual. We, we're not probably, we are unusual within what Hess manages, what the Historic Environment Scotland manage. And therefore, that in itself presents its own challenges. They are used to managing sites, a lot of the scheduled monuments that we care for are, are actually quite small but contained within wider sites, so yeah, I'm just trying to think of a quick one off the top of my head, Loch Leven's probably a good example, yeah. Loch Leven Castle, we own the, we actually own the island and that's it, but it's within <laughs> a National Nature Reserve, an RSPB Reserve and, and you know a much wider lock and landscape, um, but the bit that we own that is actually quite small, Yes. Um, and that's normal way, the way these things work. Um, but yeah, Holyrood's different, and therefore I'm not sure that the organisation, uh, the organisation's working towards being better set up to manage that. And they're not, they're not land managers. They're, 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 they're the, a lot of the skill set sits in heritage management. Yeah. You know, structures, buildings, yeah, yeah. all that kind of thing. So, um, I suppose that's where, of course, the the ranger service um, and yourself's expertise comes into place then within yeah. the, the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, you, you get more, I suppose, more clout because you're you're seen as one of the you know there's a few only a few of us that can are really within that uh, that that area of expertise and yep. therefore it's it, it's listened to much more intently when when you ask for stuff. Um, so yeah, so trying to manage an open site is, is certainly certainly a challenge. Um, you got any top tips? <laughs> uh, so I, 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 I my top tip is. Top tips. I suppose my first thing I would say to everybody is listening, and it's listening to the wide range of views and expressions that you'll you'll get. Um, I think even you know during the COVID pandemic, it's probably taught us to listen even more. Um, but I think it's also taught us to accept that we're not going to please everybody. No. Um, and that actually our our. Our role is to steward the site as best and care for the site as best we can within the limits of our resources, but also 
in a balanced manner, um, you know, there's quite a lot of polarised discussion around Holyrood, you know, roads being one thing, mountain bikes, all, all sorts of topics you can possibly imagine, you know, litter collection, grass cutting, all that, all that kind of thing. Um, access to areas, not access to areas, foot, new footpaths, all that. So it, it's just trying, listening and seeing and, and then working through what is a, a reasoned and proportionate response to what's being asked. Um, I suppose the other question, the other thing that I learned, which was actually something I learned from somebody else, I went on uh, one of these uh, sharing good practice uh, sessions and actually it was focused on dog ownership uh, and uh, about dog management. Um, the gentleman does it with the, the, the Canine Association, I think it's. Kennel Club, sorry, big right. Um He's an advisor. He actually lives up north, I think, somewhere in Orkney, I think it is. Um, but anyway, one of the things I, I got, took away from that was his favourite thing was ask why. Why is something happening? Why are, you know, and that's probably the other thing I would, I would take away. So, you know, why are people using that path? Well, because the other path shocking so if we use if we upgrade that then we might detract from people using that or lessen the burden on that path you know why are people um acting in that manner in that space or um why are uh, why are we having challenges with fires in this one area of the park but not elsewhere um do we need to put something into the, the local community group or the local community area or spend a bit of time in that area to try and um encourage more positive behaviour or action, etc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're probably my two two top ones, I would, I would yeah, say. Yeah, no, they're good ones. And you touched on there, obviously, how, how you implement things in the park mm -hmm. um, as well. What are you then, I suppose, what's your foresight or how do you see the ranger service and the management of HESS and the, uh, Hollywood, sorry, and the direction it's going? I suppose that's, everything's kind of been blown out of the water with COVID. So every, everywhere and every one organisation's staff you name it, services are going to be different because of that. But I suppose what if, well, let's take into consideration that as well. What, where, where do you see things going? So I think, yeah, my answer now would be very different from what it was going to be before, would have been before. Um, we're, we're in a period of evaluation, I'm sure everybody is. We're, we've just gone through a, a sort of prolonged period of resumption. Um, and we're now going into a period of re-evaluation. This is the point where we're saying, well, what are the next steps that we're going to be able to take? Uh, within the ranger service that is and probably within the commercial and tourism team uh, our directorate sorry um, but there are probably some certainties which is that you know everybody's going to continue to use green space we're still going to come out the other end with further questions about what we're going to do but it's where we focus our efforts so it's just trying to see what people are going to you know, there are certain user groups at the moment, for example, that haven't come back to the park. There's other user groups that have materialised in the park because they've been forced, for yes. one of a better words, to stay at home yeah. within a short distance. So we've got people who've never used the park before who are now coming into and then asking questions. Yeah. But we've also got people who've used it all their lives who can't come in because, you know, for example, care homes are not doing their normal drive round tours that yes. they normally do and we're not engaged with those groups. We're not engaged with learning groups because they've been asked not to bring third parties in at present. But I know they're all champing at the bit. There's several yeah, champing yeah, at the yeah. bit to do it. So, um, so there's still some development work around that to be done. Um, there's still a lot of evolution within the park itself around management plans, strategic visions, and all that. That is is still on the agenda to be looked at. And um, there's uh, greater changes around the city, you know, which will then have an impact yeah. on the on Holyrood. Uh, post pandemic, post. Uh, uh, Covid resumption. Yeah. Um, you know what's going to happen with the festival next year? Well, you know there's already talk about it might be more outdoors. So therefore, are we going to suddenly get an influx of requests to use our green space as part of the outdoor DR? Uh, if so, how are we going to manage that mm. um, and protect the site and provide public access? You know, um, just as one example, I, I think I'll pop the top of my head. So it, it's quite difficult to see. And then, you know, frankly there's the funding as will everybody be you know every councillor organisation will now be saying well actually wh where's the funding you know um, three quarters of our sorry maybe that's slightly more than it two thirds of what we spend we earn as an organisation so in the grand scheme of things 
that earned income has dropped off off a cliff to be blunt. Um, you know, I gave you the example the other day that we had. You know, sorry, I gave you the example the other day. We had you know less than a hundred people at Edinburgh Castle. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know Edinburgh Castle was, we were managing it with tens of thousands of people visiting weekly. Mm. Um, now, will that come back? Probably. Yeah. Will it come back in the same way? Probably not. Will we manage it the same way? Probably not. So, uh, the same happens for the park. You know, we probably increased our audience, but are we going to ha- are we going to have to think about how we manage that better? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's supposed to end on a, a, a slightly different note. Um, I know you do a lot of work outside of work, um, and in particular, you, you touched on in your past your association with scouts, beavers, cubs, and everything else. So, do you want to delve into that? Yeah. So, um, scouting has probably been a big, probably has been a big part of my life since I was I was young. Fortunately, very fortunate where I lived, we were directly across the road from the church where my my uh, scout group met, and uh, I have progressed my way through. Scouting from being a, a six-year-old uh, beaver all the way up to being what's now a, a group scout leader, and so I manage the same group as I was part of, um, and also leading sort of international expeditions. So I was in Madagascar for um, a month. Just since I met you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a month, a couple of well, last year actually. Yes. Uh, God, it seems longer than that. Um, but everything else has happened in between. So yeah, last summer I spent a, a month in Madagascar with uh, uh, sixteen young people uh, doing a community outreach project. Uh, so development opportunity for them and a development opportunity for some local contacts and some improvements to a country that, that lives below the minimum yeah. uh, poverty line. Um, so yeah, so it, it, and it, it has probably, as I said before, shaped my love of the outdoors, um, but it also gives me lots of, of, of opportunity to allow my ranger teams and, and wider teams to engage with uniformed organisations yeah. and contacts and all that kind of stuff, all that kind of thing, which is which is positive, uh, yeah, and it's something I enjoy doing, something I enjoy spending my time doing, as because as I'm sure you're aware, the higher up the uh, pecking order you move, the less chance you get to, to spend your time outside. So of course, <laughs> you spend it more in trying to work out what a budget looks like and whether you're going to have enough money to do things and uh, how we're going to go about doing things and resolving challenges and future planning. Which unfortunately are predominantly indoor activities, um, but so yeah, it allows me to spend enough time outdoors that I feel a little bit more uh, satisfied with. Uh, I get better balance, I think. No, absolutely, perfect balance. Well, um, I mean, Martin, thank you very much for Sorry, sharing you're that your your story, the the kind of the inside um, look into obviously our ranger service and Hess as a whole, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure working for you this season and last season and. Uh, I suppose here's to the future of the ranger service and, and the park. Thank you.